0: Thoughts and Wisdom from Birth Parents by the Reframe Collective. Uh, The the Reframe Collective website is at reframecollective.co.uk. The Reframe Collective is a charity that was co-founded by parents and professionals and is passionate about seeing transformation in how we keep children safe in their families and how we support communities that are going through difficult and challenging times. We believe that parents should be centrally involved in service provision and design and that parents hold the solutions to some of the wider issues currently facing local authorities and services. We are passionate about supporting parents and working with organizations and systems around parents towards change innovative solutions and meaningful participation. When we provided some training for for social work students at a London university, the focus of this was to share parents' perspectives and experience and some of their thoughts and wisdom that we hoped the students could take forward in their practice. There were a few themes we thought were particularly important and we would like to share these with you. First, transparency and clarity in communication. And these are quotes from birth parents. If you think there are risks, make it clear and explain why. Make sure, regardless of what the outcome of child proceedings may be, that parents are aware of that. Transparency is important. It can be confusing for young parents who are given different messages about what to do from professionals and services. Consistency will be helpful. And the fourth quote, be clear and explicit about the potential consequences if changes aren't made. Work together with us to make a support plan to make these changes. Everything needs to be broken down from the very beginning of the process to the very end parents need and deserve for the process to be broken down and explained the, the what why how and when and and this may need to be repeated <clears throat> this is the most terrifying experience of a parent's life they are understandably anxious and worried and this will make it hard to remember hear and reflect on what you have said simplify language make sure you are not using difficult and complex language Keep it clear. One simple tip is to get people to repeat things back to you in their words. For example, what are the three things that they are taking away from the conversation? Do not make false promises. What will be happening needs to be made clear, including the timeframes, potential outcomes, where parents can access support or advocacy, and what might happen if they don't. If you are parallel planning, then let parents know which outcome is most likely at that particular point. Think about how communication can be supported. Would a recording help to be clear about what is being said? Can we encourage the use of voice notes? Perhaps send one with two things you would like the parent to prioritise or think about. Use tools that support clarity in communication. For example, the collaborative helping map from Madsen 2011 in the references is a lovely tool that can be used in child protection services to think about parents' hopes, vision or goals. And we will note below the importance of asking parents about the kind of parent they hope to be, their supports, the obstacles or challenges and the plan. If you have not read this, then we would encourage you to do so. If there are meetings happening and the parent is not there, keep parents informed and discussions should be reflected openly and honestly. Parents will have a lot of feelings and strong responses, particularly if there are concerns and the outcomes are not looking good, which is only human. In the words of Theodore Roosevelt, people don't care what you know until they know you care. As social workers, you will be in a difficult position as the narrative that social workers are there for the child has not helped working relationships with parents. Ultimately, this is a systemic and structural issue connected to our current processes. And there are many who advocate for a more humane and social model of child protection. Reference to Featherstone, Gupta, Morris and White 2018. There are also models where the needs of the parents are considered alongside the needs of the child, for example the family safeguarding approach, and these are a step in the right direction. Next heading, mentalise and try to understand the parent's position. One quote from a parent, don't take young parents responses personally. Try to imagine how we might be feeling. Remember, this is a mother trying to protect protect her child, even if she doesn't know how to. She might be scared, angry, confused. The threat of losing your child is one of the most terrifying and traumatic experiences that one could go through. When social care becomes involved, you can be sure that many parents will have known people who have lost their children and with we'll stories about social workers and social work. They will be anxious, scared and traumatised. For any of us, when we are feeling anxious or scared, it is difficult to reflect and to communicate clearly or easily. In anxious and fearful times, we all fall back on ways of being that have potentially worked for us in the past. Our response might be fight as we try to protect ourselves and locate the blame elsewhere or in others. Or it might be flight and we run away and so avoid interactions and contexts that make us feel stressed or worried. Or we might freeze and feel like we cannot think in the moment and struggle to hear or understand what has been communicated with us. Or traumatic experiences we have had might become triggered by this very real and terrifying threat and the new trauma of having one's child removed. Next heading, domestic violence, starting with two quotes from birth parents. We we need people to recognize the impact of abusive relationships and to help us to get out of them. I didn't even know what I was experiencing. How was I meant to know it was DV? If someone had gone through a checklist with me to help me to understand things, Things could have been different. When you are in it, you don't see it for what it is. No one chooses this. It happens slowly. And by the time it happens, you are isolated. No family, no support by the time social services get involved. It's just another person to look down on you. Domestic violence is a major driver of care proceedings. Government statistics show that more than 250,000 children in England were identified as in need of support from children's social care due to domestic violence in, in the home in 2018, 2019. That's a reference from Department for Education 2019. Domestic violence has been identified as a significant contributing factor in children entering the care system. In addition, The Care Crisis Review noted that responses to domestic abuse in the child protection context place, quote, too great a responsibility on women to protect their children, unquote. It's a reference from the Family Rights Group, 2018. Those in coercive and controlling relationships require as much support and help as their children do. You need somebody who believes in you and someone who listens and hears your side of things. Once that happens, you are more receptive to hear back from that person. People will be more honest with you if you are genuinely listening to them. Peer-to-peer support can be very helpful for parents and allows them to build more trusting relationships with people. For parents to share the challenges they are facing takes courage, particularly when they involve domestic violence and coercive control. When parents are sharing difficult things, being believed makes all the difference. Put yourself in that situation. Who would you call? Who would you rely on? Would you tell your friends and family? Domestic violence requires a whole system and joined up approach police, social care, women's services and so on. Parents in this position need support and they also need someone to be clear with them about possible consequences. People do not stay in abusive relationships because they want to be in an abusive relationship, but rather because of a lack of alternatives. They might be financially or socially dependent on their partner and sometimes there is no way out unless someone intervenes. Coercive and controlling behaviour is subtle and just removing a woman and the child might not mean it has ended. One domestic violence service explained it in this way. If you throw a frog into boiling water, it will jump out. If you put it into water at room temperature and turn up the heat slowly, 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 not recognising the danger, it will continuously adjust to the heat and slowly die. For those parents who have experienced coercive and controlling behaviour, we have spent so much of our lives living at adjusted temperatures, that has become our normal and we do not know other ways of being. Most importantly, a parent's trust has been destroyed and they need to build relationships with people outside of the coercive and controlling relationship to be able to disclose the reality of what they are experiencing. Next heading, special considerations for parents who have been in care or are leaving care. Three quotes to start with. When you leave care aged 16 to 21, you are regarded as an adult. You shouldn't be. Professionals need to think about what support you need. For young people who've been in care or an abusive relationship, you don't know what to do. Young people need support in accessing services. And third, when you turn 18, you are seen as an adult. Not everyone is prepared for adulthood, especially if you've had a difficult childhood and you haven't had good role models. We know that young young parents in care or who are care leavers are disproportionately represented among parents who have social care involvement. (coughs) We therefore need to ask, what are we doing to prepare young people in care for relationships and parenthood? We ought to be having conversations with young people and teaching them about coercive control and equip them with skills that support them to be assertive in relationships. We need to make space to have conversations about these things if we want to give young parents in care a chance. In our current climate, What child turns 18 and is asked to live independently with no ongoing support? The brain continues to develop until at least the age of 25. What this means in practice is that the frontal lobe, the part of the brain responsible for planning, organising, reflecting and inhibiting, is not yet fully developed. It also means that young parents in particular are more likely to act out of their amygdala and their fight, flight or freeze response. Our expectations of young parents are unrealistic and we need to create services that are responsive to them, particularly those in care or who, or who have been in care, recognize their skills, resources and abilities and provide them with support to develop new skills, resources and abilities. Where is the corporate parenting and grandparenting that does not rely on an age cutoff. Next heading, mental health difficulties, starting with a quote. Having difficulties with your mental health doesn't mean it's the end of the world. You're not incapable because you have a mental health problem or a disability. Many people experience mental health difficulties at some point. They are not rare or abnormal. How can we shift our position from scrutiny to support? How do we help people take control of their mental health and well-being, rather than just highlighting it, ignoring it or judging it? The right support is essential, but in a context of austerity, <coughs> services have been cut, and trying to access mental health services is increasingly difficult. There is a high cost involved in removing children, arising from care proceedings, Paying for foster care, social services, legal fees, court fees, and so on. What would happen if some of these finances were used to support parental mental health and well-being? By removing the child, you are leaving the problem behind. And what support is being provided to the parents? Throughout the process of care proceedings, parents are given lots of labels. Emotionally unstable, emotionally detached. Personality disorder, anxiety, depression, and many more. However, underlying many of these labels are experiences of trauma. When this is considered, again, it is often problem- problematized rather than appropriate support or intervention being offered. The needs of the individual parent should be addressed. Medication should not be the first option when counseling and therapy is recommended. For many people, The side effects of medication are worse than the experience of depression or anxiety and medication does not work well for everyone. Therapy should be accessed as a priority avoiding the lengthy waiting lists that interfere with the child's time scales. Parents should have the opportunity to access a therapeutic approach that fits for them and not just what is offered in response to a diagnosis they have been given. If things are not worked through they will continue to live their life with difficulties. There is a duty on services, particularly if a child has been removed to provide therapeutic support. Next heading, helping parents reach their hopes. Starting with two quotes, ask young parents what kind of parents they want to be and what parenting style they prefer and support them with that. Believe the person you're supporting and help them to make changes and to access the support services they need. In our view, in general, the system needs to be focused more on how to support parents and how to keep children with their parents. There is a big divide at the moment as there are quite a lot of social workers who do want to do that and do want to help the parents. And there are also a lot who do not. It is about being able to support parents and to understand what they need and want. It is important to understand how the parents want to be, what they want to do, especially for social workers who do not have their own children. It is not always that simple. When you learn about parenting from reading books and having lectures about channel development and basic psychology, there are a lot of different parenting theories. So it is not necessarily the right or only way that you learn. As there are different methods of parenting, it is important to understand the ideas of each individual parent. Of course there are extremes. For example, hitting children is not right, so you do not support a parent to give physical punishment. But if a parent, for example, wants to be a laid-back parent and not too strict with their child, then the question is how to support them to do that in the right way. Or if a parent wants to be more pushing and encourage their child to study hard and things like that, then consider how to support the parent to do that right. So generally, it is about supporting parents to be the kind of parents they want to be, as there is no one right way of parenting. A related message that we would like to give to student social workers is that it is really important to try to understand the parents you are working with. When one of us was working with social services, everyone gave different opinions, which were often contradictory, For example, my daughter used to sleep for 12 hours right through the night when she was very young. One social worker would say, you need to wake her up for a feed, while another would say that it's fine, she isn't underweight, so she doesn't need to be woken up. There would often be contradictory information given like this. This is something you should try to figure out with and from the parent. What do they think is best and what do they think would work best for their child? Even when this is about little things that might not seem to make a big difference, in a sense it is important and asking the parent for their ideas will help in their relationship with the social worker. And the final heading parents have the capacity to change. Quote remember and believe that every parent has the capacity to change. Some parents might not change because they are not supported to do so However, there are many parents who have had children removed and are doing well and could be parents with no risks. There is no research to show what happens to these parents. We hear about the parents that go on to have further children removed, but we do not hear about the parents who are doing well, who have not gone into another violent relationship, or have not had substances overwhelm them, or have gone on to have a child and not had to have social care involvement or have been assessed and deemed safe. This lack of evidence that parents change perpetu- perpetuates the idea that parents do not change. We need to hear from these parents and hear from them about their experiences, responses and resilience. How many years has it taken them to move forward and make changes? What has supported that change and what can services do to support parental well-being? Parents survive the child protection process. The process in itself is traumatic and there is life after having your children children removed, as hard as that life is, there is hope and there is a chance out there. Services, systems and social workers need to support parents in that. The four references at the end, Department for Education 2019, Characteristics of Children in Need, 2018 to 2019. And there's a link to the gov.uk website where you find that report. Family Rights Group, 2018. Report called Care Crisis Review, Options for Change. And there's a link to that report on the Family Rights Group website. Breach Featherstone, Anna Gupta, Kate Morris and Susan White 2018, Protecting Children, a Social Model, published in Bristol by the Policy Press. And Madsen, WC, 2011, an article called Collaborative Helping Maps, a tool to guide thinking and action in family-centered services. Family Process, volume 50, issue 4, pages 529 to 543.